Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Super Bowl may be over, but you can make every game feel like the big game at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all sports betting this season. Little bit of a down period here in the sports realm, but they have everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's that easy. Just make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me after a bit of a hiatus is former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, how you doing, man? It's been a long time. I'm uh, I'm blessed. Uh, it's great <laughs> to be here in the new year of 2024 and to have a lot to look forward to. You know, I've been enjoying uh, some good shows, enjoying my family, uh, you know, day jobs going well. So I'm, I'm excited, man. 2023 is looking Real, real fun. Yeah, uh, 2023 is going to be a bit busier for me. Um, you know, as, as many of you, if you listen to this show, you may know if, if you don't, this is your first time, welcome board, but had a kid. So I went on paternity leave. That's why we are now back. Um, missed kind of the final few games there. I didn't miss them. I still watched them. So I have thoughts and opinions. And if you follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden at Ovi Mihaly 34, uh, check him out. But you got those thoughts. It's just we didn't get a chance to do them in podcast form. True. Um, and the Falcons actually won some of those games. How about that? We're going to kind of talk about that today. Give our final big takeaways from the 2022 season. Just put a nice little bow on that. Ovi, how does that sound, man? Sounds good to me, man. All right. Well, since we've uh, waited 
I don't know, like six, seven, eight weeks uh, between podcasts and talking about Falcons football. Let's wait a little bit longer and uh, briefly talk about a show. You mentioned shows that we both love. We like to to pull back the curtain a little bit. You're a huge Walking Dead super fan, and yeah. you also love Game of Thrones. So I can't kind of picture a better Venn diagram crossover of your interest than The Last of Us on HBO, man. How? Tell me about it. How great is it's that? It's so good, man. It, it, it's so <laughs> good, especially somebody. I'm a big kid. Uh, those who know me, follow me. I play all the video games. Uh, I, I have a really nice setup here. My, my house, I got my 250 <laughs> screen theater screen. And so I, I put the PS5 plugged in uh, when I played like The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us 2. From begin to end, I, I played the game like two, almost three times each because it's just so much fun. So to make a actual movie from a game that I'm in love with, it's been great. And they've done a great job. You know, they've made some changes here and there, some a little controversial. But uh, I think the game, I mean, the movie is just, or the, the series is great, man. It, <laughs> it is such a, a wonderful way to see your characters come to life and, and have them you know, living, breathing, feeling, and going through the, the craziest situations week after week. Yeah, and I remember talking to Caleb McGarry, actually, towards the end of the season, because he's a big video game fan as well. Yeah. We are talking God of War specifically, but oh, then I brought one. up the, the Last of Us series, and I was like, are you excited for that? And he brought up, you know, that there just really have not been very many good video game adaptations on either the big screen or, yeah. you know, maybe for television, and so he was a little bit trepidatious. I've checked in with him uh, since the show. He's not yet gotten around to it, but he promises me that he will. So I'll have to figure out how he feels and report back. But the third episode with with Bill and Frank and my guy, Nick Offerman, who I love as an actor. Uh, I mean, right here. Television. and it was not in the game that way, which is something that as I played the game as well, one of my yeah. favorite games, maybe my favorite game of all time. And I was really excited by the fact that that's not in the game, but it's kind of still backstory. Yeah. World. It's fleshing out this world that I love. Yes. And so I can't wait to see how they do a bit more of it. What is your thought on Joel and Ellie? All right. Like everyone else, you know, I, I wanted Ellie to look like Ellie in the game. I played it for so long. I have been great. Mm -hmm. And so Ellie did a great job. Uh, everyone was saying, give her a chance. Let her, uh, you know, watch the show. Everyone, you know, wants to, have the move I mean the game be a hundred percent crossed over and you got to change a little bit as we saw in the third episode i yep. think joel's doing a great job i think ellie's doing a great job the actors are playing joel and ellie are doing a wonderful job and they're making me believe that they're those characters so i, I can't wait for uh tonight's episode uh i can't <laughs> wait to uh, uh i watch i listen to some of the podcasts that comes with it just so you yeah. can get the background i always kind of see what people are saying and talking about it but it's, it's just fun, man, because uh, I think one of my favorite movies is World War Z, uh, zombie, yep, yep, apocalyptic, yeah. you know, Pitt. end of the world. But it has to be done well. It has to have good acting. It has to have a good story. It has to, you know, be a, a human part of it. And Last of Us does all those things so well in the series. Yeah. Have you seen Chernobyl? I haven't. But you know what? When I found out that people who made Last of yeah. Us made Chernobyl, I'm like, these guys did an amazing uh, job. Cinematography pacing. I gotta Amazing. watch Chernobyl now. You have you to. It? It's oh, it's it's my favorite. I think thing HBO has done, maybe including really? Game of Thrones. Like just it's six episodes. Every episode 
I, a pun kind of intended, but not intended because of the radioactivity and the Chernobyl nuclear, <laughs> but it will melt your face. Every there single episode <laughs> is just insanely <laughs> good, good, dude. It, it like the slow episodes are slow in the best possible way where they build the drama and you connect with the characters. And then the yeah. intense episodes are just like white knuckle sick to your stomach kind of feeling where it's almost like jaws like you know what's in the water and the people don't and they're going in the water anyway and it's like the trailer alone has me the the, the trailer alone with people's faces melting off and just the (laughs) you know the 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 narrator behind it i'm like i gotta watch this i really gotta watch this so now I'm, i'm going to there you go all right Ovi. so when i texted you my idea for for this two parter so should have mentioned that up at the top but you're getting right here after the ad break yeah two part episode uh, next one will either drop tomorrow when you're listening to this or you know maybe two days after you listen to this. But the first part is going to be kind of each of our top five takeaways from the 2022 season. So that's yep. going to be the podcast that you are listening to right now. We're going to go back and forth and just kind of quickly touch on the big picture things that we didn't get a chance to touch on when the season wrapped up for reasons that we mentioned previously. The second podcast is going to be more forward looking. We're going to go back and forth and share our top three storylines or just things that we need to see from this Falcons team this offseason, a pretty pivotal one in 2023, and kind of touch on those topics a little bit more and, and kind of preview what's to come. So you got a little bit of a look back and a look forward. But let's start by looking back, Ovi. Uh, big picture thoughts on the 2022 season real quick, since I didn't get them from you earlier. I mean, big picture thoughts is that we're better, much better than people thought we were going to be, which was yep. not hard because people thought we were going to be horrible, like the <laughs> worst team. And so yeah, it, it is an accomplishment, but like it, it's not. We had to win three games to, uh, you know, surpass expectations. But uh, overall, absolutely. People did not think this rebuild would be rebuilding so fast. And so it, mm-hmm. it's good to see that we're ahead of schedule. Good to see that, you know, we're, um, you know, um, put ourselves in a position to where this offseason can really make us one of those teams that go to, yeah, we won, you know, five, six, seven games to we're a playoff team. We're a dark horse. Oh my God, we're in the Super Bowl. Like that's actual a possibility. Like people won't laugh hysterically when you say that because <laughs> we did so much with so little and have a foundational core and culture that is something you can work with when you get some of these high, uh, pa- uh, you know, high dollar uh, free agents and some of these yep. really top draft picks. We can make some noise. So that that's my overall feeling. It, it's positive. I know people try to be positive regardless because that's your favorite team, but it actually is a positive scenario for most Falcons fans. You know, not to mention winning the last game uh, against Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, Tom didn't play the whole time, but still, when Tom was in there, he wasn't doing what he wanted to when he wanted to we were showing him that hey we're gonna fight till the end and it was just good to have tom be frustrated playing against the falcons he he deserves that <laughs> he does deserve that he deserves all of the great things that he's accomplished in his life but he, he also deserves to lose to the falcons in his yes. final regular season game so absolutely you know uh life's life's crazy like that but yeah you mentioned the expectations and one of your favorite things I think to point out throughout the season was like people picked this team to win two games and they obviously finished seven and ten five more wins than the two that were predicted same record as last year but unlike last year they didn't have Matt Ryan unlike last year they didn't have Calvin Ridley for you know four or five games unlike last year you know the offense was much more 
kind of confined, I think, yeah. or at least the ways in which they could be creative were a little bit more um, down one path instead of the multiple paths that maybe Matt Ryan offered you. Um, mm. So it was a different year, but the fact yeah. that they were still seven and 10 and the fact that they were still in contention for the division, now it's yeah. division, but that speaks to, I think that optimism that you're talking about um, and, and just kind of the sense of, all right, yeah, it wasn't a playoff year. It was seven and 10. And most years, like most teams, when you're picking eighth in the draft, like you're not going to be super happy, but maybe the Falcons should look at this a little bit differently. So with all of that, let's get to your number five takeaway from the uh, 2022 season. And I want to steal some of yours, but I'm going to go right to this because it's uh, it's my position group. It's my <laughs> thing. And this is my guy who I had a chance to sit down with, didn't realize till. Uh, halfway through the dinner for the, uh, the the Falcons Honors Awards for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, that's <laughs> Tyler Algiers. I'm sitting next to Tyler Algiers and talking to his lady. And my wife's talking to his uh, his significant other, and we're just you know chumming it up. And and he was such a a humble, good natured, all shucks type of guy. And you like, you kid, man. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, it, it, you remind me of me a little bit because you know I I was always I feel like. Up until like my last like one or two years in the league, I was all shucks. I'm happy to be here, you know. Then my last couple of years, I'm like, nah, I'm 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 that dude. Like you, you watch out. Like, I I care myself a little, a little more bravado. But Tyler's just an all shucks type of guy. But he is a beast on the field. He is yep. has just exploded onto the scene and make not make Cordell Patterson irrelevant, but he showed us that he could be a workhorse. He can carry the load. He can be, get those tough yards in, uh, you know, red zone or short yardage. And he's somebody who can, you know, even play all three downs if necessary. We saw him use his hands uh, in in ways that surprised me. I thought he was just a, you know, a bruiser type of a a tailback. And he broke a a record or or, or him and William Andrews. Yeah. A thousand yards uh, for a rookie. It's just amazing to to see how much he's done in his first year here, and all he can do is get better as long as he works hard, keeps his nose clean, you know, stays humble. Tyler Algiers is one of my big takeaways. The Falcons are lucky to have him. You know what I love most about Tyler Algier, and I suspect that this is why you love him as well, is that dude finishes runs harder yeah. than anybody else that I've seen in a long time. I mean, oh, yeah. Michael Turner finished runs but he kind of finished runs just by the nature of like how freakishly large he was yes it was yeah. almost like unintentional pain <laughs> that he effortless. Yeah, yeah on just you know will weatherspoon like flying off of his like thigh because that's just how big michael turner is you can kind of tell with tyler algier it's it's like all right i'm he hurdled a dude in like one of the last games of the season and then like boom i'm gonna land my next foot and see if i can punish somebody yeah um, in the same move it's It's just really, really fun to watch. I don't have him specifically because I figured you would, and I tied him into a a bigger takeaway Mm. a little bit later on. So this won't be the last that we talk of Tyler Algier, but that's a great way to uh, to kick this off because an argument could be made that like he's the number one takeaway from the season is is the breakout of of your number one running back. Hopefully, moving forward, so you got him for pennies on the dollar. Got him cheap, exactly. That's the win, cheap, cheap, cheap. cheap. Um, so it's, yeah, great way to start things off. My number five, um, we talked going into the year about kind of this is a year to find answers. You got a lot of questions. You got to find some answers moving forward. I think they found some, but 
Defensively specifically, I think there are still more questions than there are answers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that AJ Terrell is the big name. Took a little bit of a step back this year. That's not to say that he's not going to return to the AJ Terrell we saw last year. It's just, you know, maybe the real truth is somewhere in the middle of these two seasons, which was always mm-hmm. probably likely. It's it's either he's a perennial all pro and a surefire Hall of Famer, like at the end of his career, or, you know, he's probably somewhere between a pro bowler some years and, and a good starter other years. And, and I think this year he just took a little bit of a step back. Grady Jarrett, a great season, but he's another year older. You know, is he going to be able to maintain this for the foreseeable future? And then you have guys like Taquan Graham, who I thought really took a big step forward. You have somebody like Richie Grant, who at times took a nice step forward. Some younger players like Darren Hall and DeAlford I liked. But outside of those guys, yeah, what else do you have? You know, Casey Award got hurt, but I still like him if they want to bring him back for his last year. Rashawn Evans and Lorenzo Carter were nice, solid pieces. They're both free agents. Yeah. Outside of them, you know, Troy Anderson is promising, but did he really take the job and run with it when he got the opportunity at the safety position? You know, is is that a real something that's going to kind of change games for you? I'm not so sure. The pass rush is still non-existent most of the time. So mm. I don't know, Obi. Uh, do you feel the same way? It's You're shaking your head like you do. Just more questions I, I, still than answers. I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And we were hoping that, and we saw flashes, like, you know, brief yeah. flashes of brilliance uh, in the they defense. They finished the year strong, I think. I will say that. They finished the year pretty strong. They absolutely did. Um, you know, some of the young guys, uh, uh, Katie, um and I uh, loved you know, his play. Yep. Oh, it, it was it was good to see them apply some pressure. Maybe they didn't get all the sacks and get the actual payoff all the time. But you saw, or at least I felt like there was more pressure applied this season mm-hmm. than last and in years before. So uh, I don't know if that's all DMP's scheme. And now DMP's is leaving. Like, are we keeping <laughs> that scheme? Are we changing that scheme? Do we need to draft different type of players? And there are a lot of questions, more questions than answers on, on the defense uh, across the board. But uh, I, I just... As somebody who has been, you know, an old dog with some younger guys around me and hoping that they come along, I feel bad for Grady Jarrett. I, I just yeah, you talk yeah. about him getting older. Grady was amazing this season. I mean, I, I, that's, that's one of my takeaways. Um, it, uh, if I can go into my four, Grady was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. I loved Grady Jarrett almost every single point. Like at some point, you get your money, you get the Pro Bowls. They know you're the guy, you're the face. And you can kind of go to cruise control and people may not notice really because they give you the benefit of the doubt. Grady plays like he's in his contract year every single year. I forget that every yes. single play, he plays like this play will determine the money I get from my contract. Like guys in their contract year ball out. They go crazy. They put their all into it because they know it can change their life forever. I was one of those guys. Uh, I, I worked hard, of course, you know, first year, second year, third year. But my fourth year, my <laughs> offseason before my fourth year, Ovi Mahaley was, I, I, I didn't drink alcohol. I, you know, left the girls alone. I think I went like well, a six-month strike. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do anything. I, I was just focused on football, and I wanted to make a point every play in practice, every play in the game, because, you know, I had a chance from – making a couple hundred thousand dollars to being a multimillionaire and yeah, paid off. But guys, <laughs> usually when they get that money, take it into a lower gear. Grady's not that guy from his character to how he, uh, you know, lifts up his teammates, makes everyone better. 
he was just amazing this season. He was absolutely amazing. I can't give him enough flowers. I can't give him enough credit. I can't give him enough praise. And <laughs> it's not that just I'm a you know a, a Grady fan, but I'm a Grady fan, and all of Atlanta is. So I, I hope that that guy gets a chance to have a team around him to where he can do more than just have individual awards. Yeah, one hundred percent because he he's deserving of it. And it's somebody like I think of Jonathan Babineau, who kind yeah. of his career span. Yeah. These nice little runs for the Falcons, you know, started kind of with the Vic era and got that playoff success in 04, but then whew, a little bit of a drought there. And then you guys come along and yep. all right, all of a sudden it's like nice little way to end your career. You get that 2012 run, the push, all that stuff. I know he got to go back to Seattle, play with his brother, like all that fun stuff. Yeah, that, um, cool. that season. So yeah, like a great, great player to have. And you wish that, you know, he gets to taste the success at the end of his career that he had at the beginning of his career. Was that your number four takeaway? Because it was. It was. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, I jumped into that because that was my number four takeaway. Uh, I, I just Grady Jarrett and just like Tyler Algiers, I, I, you know, yeah. when I see Grady, he, you know, he acts like, you know, we pick up where we last left off and, and just a, a humble, solid guy who plays his ass off when he plays yep. football and deserves all the good things in life. And is is a leader in the locker room, like ever in the community, everything yep. you want is as humble as it can be and a hard worker. Like, yeah, we we don't need to talk anymore about Grady Jarrett. Yeah. Everybody knows about Grady Jarrett. Get the point. Our, our listeners yeah. get the point. <laughs> I, I will say, though, if I'm going to make if I'm placing a bet on any current and this is, you know, it would have carried more water two or three years ago when a lot of Falcons players had been on this roster for a few years. Mm-hmm. But of anybody in maybe the current era of Atlanta football. Grady Jarrett's going in the ring of honor one day. Like oh, yeah. Matt Ryan and Julio for yeah. sure. But Grady yeah. Jarrett, if I had to put money on the third guy, it, it's Grady Jarrett. Um, so, all right, let me go to my number four. Uh, it's going to be special teams. Big strength for this team. Uh, and, and we don't need to spend too long on this because it's special teams. But <laughs> Young Way Koo, money again. Uh, Avery Williams led the NFL in punt return average. You know, no, average yards per punt return. Yeah, did he really? all year from beginning to end of the year. Like he... Yeah, he is really, really good back there. Wow. I mean, you remember you remember the Tampa Bay game when he kind of had a 40-yard punt return like right at the end of the first half to yeah. allow a field goal that really made it close. So he's played really well on special teams. I know kind of they're still finding a role for him in a couple other areas, you know, running back out of the backfield, things like that. But special teams, dude's an ace, and that's why he was brought here. Cordero Patterson, kickoff return for a touchdown, broke the record. I mean, that was big. Their coverage units have been really yeah. solid because I think they put a lot of their the veterans and the rookies. Like Troy Anderson was a standout on special teams way before he was playing on, on defense Linebacker, at the yeah. end of the year. Cordero Hodge kind of had a nice preseason, and we were like, oh, is he going to be in the mix as a receiver? It's like, no, that dude just played special teams 24-7 and was awesome at it. So he plays well. That type of stuff, Demir Bird, like, I just think with Marquise Williams, the, the Falcon special teams coordinator, and the way that they seem to prioritize special teams, Vrabel, Belichick, uh, Disciple, and now Arthur Smith learned from Vrabel. Like, I think he cares a lot about special teams. It's nice to have at least one unit of, of the three because yeah. everybody focuses on offense. Everybody focuses on defense. Sometimes special teams makes or breaks uh, games, and to have a coach that cares about special teams this much, I, I like yeah. it, and I think it's a big strength for this team. So that's my... Yeah. Uh, it's my number four. 
that's a solid one. I, I agree. As a fullback who is our requirement requirement of us to play special teams, uh, I was a special teams uh, Pro Bowl alternate one year uh, when I was in Baltimore yeah. that kind of like showed him, hey, this guy is top fullback. He can play special teams. He's all in. And as soon as I got to land, I was like, about that special teams, uh, uh, y'all don't need me, do you? Oh, you do? Okay. All right. So I – yeah, Keith, Keith was not playing. I, I I tried to, you know, do a little big dog like hey, Keith. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm worth eighteen million dollars. I can't hurt, you know, the, the, these hands. I can't hurt this this body. I I gotta block Michael Turner. He's like, over it, over it. What the hell is wrong with you? How you hit your head? Oh, he was just, he got into me. He like oh him laced, uh, you know, monologue <laughs> for about five minutes about how who the f do I think I am? But uh, but yeah, so special teams is awesome. My number three, Drake London. Uh, I played with Julio, played with Roddy White. I know how it is to have a number one receiver that you can count on that will be double covered and make the catch that rises his level of play when they need him most. And the Falcons haven't had that for a while. And, you know, Calvin Ridley was trying to take Julio's place and, you know, he had his own uh, situation and it was hard for us to find that number one receiver. And even Kyle Pitts being a great tight end, Mm-hmm. We still needed a number one receiver. Drake London, I wasn't quite sure at first. When they, they picked him, I'm like, he, he looks good. And I like his, you know, moxie. And he's sitting here giving the crazy eye uh, uh, on a lot of his highlights. I'm like, okay, we need somebody who who got a little, little something extra. But it, is he talented enough consistently? And does he have that? might be in the ring of honor one day type of ability, not just a, a very good uh, what receiver, but can he really break out? And he showed me enough to where I think he can. Now, obviously, you know, we, we still wanted him to, to do more, but he showed me enough this year to where I'm very hopeful that building on his rookie season, Drake London can be, uh, sounds scary to say Roddy and Julio-ish because those guys were, uh, especially Julio in his prime, was he can be, right below Roddy and Julio, which will be better than what we've had for a long time since those guys have left. He's a little bit of a, a mystery to me. I mean, not not in the sense of do we know if he's good or not. It's yeah. I'm kind of trying to figure out what is his ceiling. Now, I don't think we yeah. have seen anything close to his ceiling because of, you know, you mentioned Tyler Algier breaking uh, the Falcons rookie rushing record for a season. Drake London broke Kyle Pitts's receptions record for a rookie. I mean, Obviously, like 17 games, those two guys more likely to break it than any of the guys who played 16 games only. And and Drake London got a lot of targets there at the end. Uh, I believe 31 receptions in his final five games. But wow. that just speaks to the type of volume that I think he can handle. And I think that when you say he can be an X receiver, a number one receiver in this league. Yeah. Is he maybe your most dynamic? Is he maybe your most dangerous weapon on the field? Is he that type of number one? Maybe not, but is he your prototypical X who can handle a big workload and can kind of make all of these plays, get back up, do it again, get back up, do it again, get back and just kind of be that consistent metronome for your offense when you need him. And then you can go add these big skill weapons, these more maybe versatile, volatile guys who are like home run or bust because you can keep going back to Drake London. And in that sense, he is like Roddy to me because... Roddy wasn't necessarily Deshaun Jackson, like I'm going to, or even Vincent Jackson, or I'm going to take the top off of you guys and just hit you. He could do that. He could do that. But he lived in that 12 yard curl, make the catch, shake a tackle, eight more yards out of bounds. 
Now yep. we're moving. Like that was his game. And I think Drake London can do that as well. So yeah, if Drake can be a Roddy White, I'll take that. Uh, I'm playing with Roddy for several years. I'm like, yo, this guy is winning us games by himself. Like, you know, when Roddy <laughs> gets hot and he gets in his little zone, uh, he can be what a team needs sometimes. Somebody to say, you know what, guys, I got it. Hop on my back. Let's go. We're winning this one. He, he said that almost verbatim in huddles behind. Like, hey, man, Matt, just throw me the damn ball, man. Let's, let's make it happen. You know, <laughs> laughing like a, you know, a, a giggling like a child like he always does. Uh, no, uh, I think Drake London, because I, I, I'm pessimistic. The Falcons have made me, unfortunately, cynical and pessimistic about a lot of things they do, a lot of moves they make. And when I, saw, I told you, when I saw the Drake London guy, I'm like, outside of the, you know, liking some of his moxie and the crazy, I'm like, I haven't really heard of this guy as like, you know, the next Julio. And I, I'm, I'm selfish or I, I want the next Julio Jones because I, I can play with Julio only for a year or two. But I was like, wow, that guy changes games. We need to replace what we lost. Yep. Again, may not be Julio, but if he can get to where Roddy White was, the Falcons will be in a very, very good position. Yep. Uh, I totally agree. I need you to remember the name Quentin Johnston out of a TCU. If you're looking for a Julio esque wide receiver, that guy reminds me a lot of uh, of Julio. But that is neither here nor there. My number three, and it is right along the same lines of, of Drake London, Tyler Algier, is that the Falcons have a making of a big three on offense, and some would argue they already do. You know, it's it's Kyle Pitts, it's Drake London, it's Tyler Algier. I like it. I like they it. They need to they need to build around that, and they need to build around that smartly. But when you've got the mismatches that that they can that London and Pitts can create and then just like the bread and butter nose to the grindstone. Mm -mm. Hey, while you're focused on like, how do we stop all of the different things that these guys can do? I do one thing really well, and it is punish you throughout the game. And like you're going to have to focus on both of these things. I think it's a really interesting trio for Atlanta. And I'm really curious to see how they kind of play around with the other options that they now can because they've got kind of that hot like triangle of kind of threat that they didn't yeah. have coming into the season and, and they haven't yep. had maybe at the running back position at least in in a little while so yeah i mean everybody's going to talk about the quarterback position and we will hear i'm sure in in the next little bit but outside of that they've got a young nucleus of, of skill guys that Coming into this season, we weren't so sure that they had. So I think that's a nice little takeaway is that, all right, you've got a running back, a young running back, a young receiver, and a young tight end that you can definitely envision for the future of this team. Like it. Like it a lot. Uh, my number two is uh, I, I got to – I'm an offensive guy, so I've been heavy on the offense, but <laughs> Tyler Algiers couldn't do what he did if the offensive freaking line didn't ball the heck out this year. Like, we should – Give a round, a literal round of applause for the <laughs> offensive line because those those boys, those Corn Fred brothers were doing the damn thing. They surprised me, and it got better as the year went on. And I mentioned, uh, or, or I mentioned that they put in the work in the offseason because a lot, a lot of us guys, you know, fullbacks, offensive line, the ones who are doing a lot of that heavy, you know, gutter work in the trenches, you can want to be better as much as you as you want. But if you don't prepare yourself, if you don't eat right, if you don't like drastically change up your routine or put it all in that last set, you're, you're on three or four past what you think you can do and pushing yourself, breaking down that muscle, building it up. 
technique is everything. Everyone's big, fast, and strong. Just focusing on your technique, mental. I've heard several uh, iterations of what some of those guys did to prepare, and it all made me smile to where I realized these guys aren't playing. Like this year, because we talked about them last year. We, we talked about the offensive line. They were getting, you know, Matt Ryan beat up. They, you know, weren't moving the ball as much as we wanted to. Again, Cordero Patterson was, was doing amazing. Some of those yards he got himself just <laughs> yeah. being Cordero Patterson. The offensive line came to play this year. And watching everyone from uh, Caleb McGarry to the, the, the whole crew step up their game, bring that nastiness, bring bring that edge, bring bring some of that, you know, pushing a guy down and maybe using your forehand to, on his neck to get up. Like they had a <laughs> swagger that yeah. I remember begging for last year, year before, begging for them to to bring a little more and to have a little more respect and uh, pride in their group and what they can do to win the game. So uh, hats off to the offensive line. They were just grading the field and moving the defenders back several times. You see our jerseys just create these levels where they're constantly pushing back on the defense. And I I, uh, I gave them a lot of shit because they, <laughs> they, they did not do what they were supposed to do. Uh, for the longest time, but now I got to give them their props. The offensive line uh, did the damn thing. I know I've mentioned this stat on here before, and I don't have the final numbers in front of me, so I apologize. But I know throughout the year, Football Outsiders has a, a stat that's adjusted line yards, and it's basically mm-hmm. you know how how many yards on a running play should be attributed to the offensive line, whether yeah. that's kind of just. Like you said, you can just visibly see the line is three yards down the field. Well, obviously, the running back doesn't have to work too hard for those three yards. Nope. But if if a running back has to make a defender miss in the backfield, the offensive line clearly didn't really account for many of the yards on that running play because they didn't do their job. So it, it factors that in throughout the entire year. The Falcons were like mostly top three and like top five. So, yeah, again, this was a unit that was a big, big question mark for a few seasons now. And you get guys like Caleb McGarry, who has a huge Turnaround season is best season yes. by far as a Falcons player. Unfortunately, right after they don't pick up his fifth year option, Chris Lindstrom. Uh, yeah, definitely a pro bowler for the first time in his career should be How a future that? all pro. I mean, yep. justifies that that first round pick for Atlanta this year. Jake Matthews still bringing it just game in game. In. He just kind of reminds me of like one of those really reliable Braves pitchers that you'd have for all of those years that maybe he's like the fourth man in the rotation. But it's like, hey, he's kind of the reason you're going to win in the playoffs because if your number four can mm-hmm. beat their number four, like that's great. And Jake's a little bit better than maybe a four, but like you get my mm-hmm. point. He's just reliable. Oh, yeah. And the offensive line was awesome this year. And and I did not have them on my list. Cause again, I figured you would, but I'm glad that you did. Cause I really wanted to talk about them, especially Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. Those guys like co MVPs, honestly, yeah. offensively for me this season. Absolutely. Those are the two guys that they showed a picture and it was like, they, they, they had almost abs like they had like <laughs> muscles like uh veins pop out of their legs and walking around like like greek norse gods like, like they belong like extras and god of war like these guys their hair like all along to the training camp like wow i was like i feel bad for the defenders in practice outside of grady jarrett who got to go against them because they came to make a statement and uh i think that was me well that, that was me my fourth year in baltimore I remember Ray Lewis say, hey, hey, Mahaley, what you do this offseason? <laughs> they gonna test you now. That, that steroids, they gonna find out. If you're on steroids, I'm not, I'm not on steroids. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, out here running around like you crazy. So I was like, man, I got, 
I got a goal in mind. And my, my goal is to be the best fullback in this league. He's like, all right. He's like, good. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and like people can tell who are around you when that light flips on or, or when that, that, that switch occurs. And just the, the rumbles from the media and from other players, Caleb and Chris were on a, on a mission. And it was fun to watch that throughout the season just play out in, in, in how they demolished people, how they protected <laughs> Matt and how yeah. they, you know, kind of puffed their chest out a little bit and had the, the, the pride that you expect to see out of your offensive linemen. So it, it was it was great to see, and hopefully that just continues to grow and rubs off on uh, the defensive side. One hundred percent. I mean, they want to build through the trenches, and you saw what that looked like on the offensive line. Now let's hope that they can let's do, do it, it on the defensive line, and and it really helps. I think that they don't have to. You know, we're going into the offseason for the first time in a long time, not sitting here saying like, all right, but you got to maybe use one of that that first round pick on an offensive lineman. You got to maybe use something here or there, and it, that's not to say they won't, but. They don't necessarily they have not. to. I hope the guy they don't point. get another offensive lineman. We need defense so bad. Yes, we so do. Uh, and we've got many months to talk about that. But we've oh, yeah. got two more takeaways each. So let's get through these um, quickly. Mine, the man behind the offensive line, Desmond Ritter. Uh, can yep. He can lead this team next season at least. And I think he can lead this team moving forward. Um, you know, I think that the growth that he showed not just over those final four games, although those final four games are the is the growth that we should care the most about because that came against live NFL teams, NFL competition, teams that needed wins for their playoff lives. I mean, these were meaningful games, not necessarily for the Falcons, although some of them were, but yeah. they were definitely meaningful for the other teams. And that is kind of invaluable experience, even if it ultimately didn't amount to a postseason run or anything like that. But you look back to kind of where he was when he started in the preseason. They said he was picking it up quickly, all that stuff. He gets out there in in, in preseason games, and that first start was, was solid, but he built on it. He kept on building on it. He kept on improving. You know, when he took over for Marcus Mariota, it, it didn't look great. It looked pretty rough. But quickly that next week, you saw some things where statistically it didn't really turn around, but for those who watched and for those who knew what Arthur Smith wanted to see from him, he showed that growth. Then yeah. the third and fourth games, the stats followed. So I think that he did everything that probably was asked of him, short of just go 4-0 down the stretch, but yeah. it's really hard for a rookie in the NFL. Um, I'm curious to see what Desmond Ritter has. That doesn't mean I don't think that they'll bring in some competition, You know, maybe one of these mid-level veterans that are everywhere this offseason, it seems everywhere. like. Or one of these draft picks. Like I, I feel like they're a few Brock Purdy-ish. And that's going to be very popular for a lot of people, I think, to say during draft season. But this draft has some of those types of quarterbacks. Maybe one of them you bring in. But I think Desmond Ritter at least goes into camp next year with a solid hold on this on this job. You know, the, uh, the great thing that uh, the stat people were showing was that Desmond Ritter's four, first four games, Matt Ryan's first four games, they were very <laughs> identical, very close to each other. So um, it... it Gives me great hope to know that, hey, if we can do this without a hundred million dollar quarterback, we're in a good place <laughs> because he yeah. gives us the flexibility to fill in the holes that we have elsewhere. So uh, For sure. my last one, because yep. I did uh, number five, I think was uh, Algiers. Number four Algiers. was uh, Grady. Number three was Drake. Number two was the offensive line. And number one is the man who's putting this all together, Terry Fontenot. Uh, that's my takeaway. Uh, Ooh, all right. Ter 
Terry Fontenot is a man who will make Falcons fans happy from years to come. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a hot, cool guy like Dimitrov. Dimitrov had some great wins. He had more losses and more guys. It was almost like a, a punchline. How many players Dimitrov drafted that weren't even now forget forget not on the Falcons. They weren't in the NFL anymore. You know, all, all the other big Beasleys and some of the uh the Ray uh the guy from Brian Minnesota. Jerry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Ray Edwards, oh God, Brian Jerry, Ray Edwards. So it was on the draft, it was free agent. He was just missing, 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 missing. And fans were pulling their hair out. Again, nice guy. You know, he rides his bicycle, that's a lot of environmental stuff, and we connect uh cool guy, but he did not do the Falcons and the franchise right by saddling us with so much debt and so much bad contracts to where we're just now getting out of it. Terry Fontenot showed with just a couple seasons, been here two years, I believe, and has been able to hit on almost everything he's done. Almost everything he's done is turned to gold. Even these low-level picks, uh, you know, the Troy Andersons of the world, uh, the special teams filling it out, you know, finding – uh, even, you know, Marcus Mariota was a good pick for what he costs because there is more upside than uh, than downside. We yeah. people expect much of us anyway. And Marcus, if you rekindle that coach to QB relationship, but getting Ritter as a backup or a, a second option gives us a lot of of opportunities to really do really well. So just across the board with how he's drafted, with how he's uh, made decisions, how he's been financially responsible with this franchise, I think it gives fans or should give fans a lot of excitement about this year. Yeah, we talked about it coming into uh, the podcast, but it's going to be such a fun offseason with the free agency and with the draft and with the ability to, like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of talent out there. And figuring out who to pay, how much to pay, when to pay, bringing them in and mixing this cake to where it's going to come out perfect (laughs) is very, very hard. But Terry can do it. So he's my number one takeaway from the season. We're in not good hands. We're in great hands with Terry Fontenot. With the amount of praise that you have given him on this uh, podcast throughout the season, he, he better come on during yes, the off, during draft season. Every you time I see him, him he's, he promised me like a year and a half ago. So every time I see him at an event, like, Ovi, I got you. Before I can say anything, I was like, I was like hey, I, I, call my you people. Cash in. I'll, I'll get cash on. In so I got to cash it before the season gets started. I got to cash it before the draft or anything. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's always busy. I don't know when he's not busy, but uh, I'll call his people and call my people. We can see if we can uh, make something happen. There you go. Uh, that's so interesting that you have him as your number one because my number one is the other man uh, in charge, and that's Arthur Smith. And I okay. think that we really, like, I've seen enough. I believe that Arthur Smith is a great coach. I think that he's a, a very good head coach as well, which is not always the same. You know, no. you can be a great coordinator and and not be the best head coach, but I think he kind of has the very, and I think Terry Fondo plays into this as well, but a very clear-eyed vision um, and in some ways, having the lack of financial flexibility simplifies that because mm. you kind of can't get yourself in trouble. You yeah. can't have a Ray Edwards where all of a sudden you're second guessing and you're kind of like, oh, that didn't work out. So now we're scrambling. Wait, it's like, yeah, they, they haven't put a ton of money into the stock market yet. So they haven't lost any of that money, if that makes sense. It's but yeah. now they have the money to spend. So we're going to get a better picture. But I just think that by and large, through the kind of the ups and downs are so much smaller with this team than they have been in years past. And I think that that is a testament 
to the culture, to the players in the building, which speaks to Terry Fano and his staff. But the coaching staff knows what they want. And Marcus Mariota, Arthur Smith doesn't just have a relationship with him. I have to believe that part of it was like, we can't win playing everybody else's game. We have to play a totally different game. He helps us at least do that. You know, like we have to get interesting. We have to be creative. We have to do things teams haven't seen in 20 years. You know, like we have to kind of go old school in like be new school by going old school type of thing. And and I think that that's smart. I think that listening to Arthur Smith after every game, he clearly had a plan that changed based on each matchup. They played in, uh, you know, I have these five and eight in one score games, 13 one score games out of 17 game schedule. Now, the NFL is built to kind of be like that. You see a lot of games around the league in the fourth quarter go from 13 point games to seven point games there at the end. But the Falcons it's rigged. There's a script. There's a script. I've been finding out now that you know everything was scripted. <laughs> I'm seeing in the memes that everything's scripted. So it is. It's all the refs. It's the oh. uh, you know the snipers up in the uh, yeah yeah up in the press box. But this is two years in a row that the Falcons have kind of been in more games than we thought. They were yeah. in closer games against good teams. They beat some good teams this year. That part. Uh, so I, I think that I've seen enough from the coaching staff to trust in them. The execution, a lot of that depends on the players. A lot of that depends on the talent, the ability to finish the year. Yeah. You can kind of figure out the other team's scheme by the midway point in the season. Like you got a lot of tape. You got a lot of smart guys. It kind of then becomes who has the athletes that can either open up more of your playbook for you and give you more wrinkles or who can transcend a defense that knows what you want to do. And I think that's what the Falcons are missing. But I think the guy calling the shots is rock solid. And it sounds like you agree. So absolutely agree. Yeah, no, he's Arthur Smith has done uh, a lot of great things in time. He's been here. Oh, man. Uh, Falling up after Dan Quinn (laughs) and the brotherhood. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Bless his heart. Uh, He meant well, but it it was just he's doing all right in Dallas. Oh, yeah. And and now in, uh, you know, wherever he gets head coaching job next. Exactly. Because he'll get one. Um, But to have Arthur Smith and, you know, his stoic, uh, I guess, uh, uh, appeal or, or you know, the way that he presents himself. He's not here to give you any sound bites. He's not here to, uh, you know, a- entertain you. He's here to win football games and he's here to make the right decision at the right time uh, for the right players. And I, I absolutely love it. So if he can bring us some playoff wins yep. and guess the Super Bowl, I mean, that's <laughs> oh, is that all? That's all it's going to take. Just yeah, I mean, that's all it's going to take. I love him. No, hey, I mean, I feel like we actually have a chance with Terry and Arthur and their relationship. We can do something special here. And it's not just me being optimistic. It's like I, I actually see that happening in the future. I totally agree. And, and I think that's a great place to kind of wrap up this conversation because it's one of optimism. And I think that's kind of by and large. Some ups and downs for this season, you know, games like the Washington game will leave you with a bad taste in your mouth as a little yeah. bit of a what if and, and stuff like that. But this is a seven and 10 team that was ultimately at the beginning of the year supposed to win two games. The guys in charge, we feel pretty good about because the decisions they've made have been soundly reasoned. They seem to be part of a plan and by and large, they've worked out. So now we enter an offseason where they should make a lot of more high stakes decisions, I guess I would say, because they've got the big money to spend, but it should be really exciting. So please stay tuned for part two, which will be coming up later this week. Ovi and I will get into more of the offseason, what we expect to happen, what we need to see, what we need to see, Ovi, this offseason for the Falcons to get back 
into that playoff contention like you talked about. But in the meantime, if you got any questions since we've been away about this season, about this offseason, shoot them over to believeinfalcons at gmail.com. Please follow Ovi on Twitter at OviMahaley34. You can follow me at Will McFadden. Uh, stay posted to this feed because we're going to be bringing podcasts to you every Wednesday weekly throughout the offseason. Going to be covering draft, free agency, getting a lot of experts, national media members, maybe some former players like Ovi himself, and of course, actually Ovi himself throughout the offseason to bring you all of the best Falcons content. Ovi, you got anything to say before I get out of here? No, just uh, want to thank the listeners. I really enjoyed uh, last season and you know some of the questions people asked. And uh, I actually had some people come up to me while I was at uh, Kroger and say, hey, man, I love the podcast. I was like, you listen. Wow. <laughs> like, nah, I was like, you know, me and my, um, my husband, we, we really like the podcast. And well, thank you guys, guys so much. I was, like, I was like, well, thank you. I was like, tell the uh, executives that. We need to uh, get our own studio or do some uh, shows from a sports bar or something fancy. There you go. Yeah, now that they just filmed, finished filming or building, yeah, now that they just finished building their uh, new studio up in Flowery Branch, they can come work on our new studio. Uh, exactly. A little further south, but um, yep, that'll do it for today's podcast, which is always is presented by Bet Online. Please stay tuned for part two coming later this week, and we will see you guys there. But until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.